drinking with you guys. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, we had a lot we of We parted fun. at your house and a lot at Watson's house and uh, just bounced around, riding to go uh, golf carts around. Uh-huh. And uh, just getting a little bit, of, you know, we actually stayed out of trouble down there. Yeah, we did. was a surprise. Because we... Instead of running, we did run around town a little bit, but most of the time was like, hey, do you want to go to Garrett's house or Brian's house or just get some beer and go across the street in the foothills and just hang out there? So that's another chapter. Yes. You know, we go into the fields, you know. Yeah, and, that's another. <laughs> you know, Highland Garces, we kind of met right in the middle in North High. Uh-huh. We came all together and we'd bring a bunch of beer and we'd have fires. What? Oh, God. <laughs> 30 feet yeah. high. At least. And uh, everyone would bring their old pallets or even, oh my gosh, tires. Yeah. All the tires. Whatever you can find in the hills. Yeah, whatever you can find. <laughs> yeah, so the, I mean, explain riding. You know, you could go for a ride for how long? Um, I mean, that the foothills in Bakersfield is probably one of the best places to learn how to ride motorcycles, let alone uh, just have fun with your family. They have, there's hills. There's single track, there's sand, there's um, anything you can think of. Crazy inclines. Yes. Yes. And there's three kids from Bakersfield that are actually professional riders now that that's where they grew up riding. They run tanks of fuel out there. Now we're going to be watching them on the big screen. Actually, two of them are already on the big screen. Younger? Are you talking about you and Griffin? No, these kids are like the next generation. What's their names? Uh, Ryder D. Francisco, Styles Robertson, and Jet Reynolds. They're Dude, those all... are awesome names. They're born for success. Styles, <laughs> yeah. Ryder, and Jet. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you didn't have a chance. Yeah. Jeff and yeah. Gary. Gary and Brian. Brian. You know, yeah. Those are basic names. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. So those, are, those kids are, one, uh, Styles is in the AMA. Jet Reynolds was supposed to make his pro debut this year, and he hurt himself, so he's out. And then uh, Ryder D. Francisco... He's going to be probably racing. He just turned 17, I think, uh, yesterday. I saw on Instagram. 17? Yeah. Wow. So he'll be in the pros in the next couple of years. So it's just, it'll be cool to be able to watch them on what's, TV. What's the average turn pro age? So it used to be like 16 would be the pro. But now it's with young, the huh? motorcycles, the power in the motorcycles, the tracks are so technical and gnarly that a lot of these kids, there's so much pressure put on them. And they hurt themselves at the beginning of the careers, you know. They're trying to go out and make those uh, top spots and not have the experience being in front of the huge crowds. And, you know, they race in front of crowds before, but not like yeah. anything packed a- Angel Stadium or anything like that. So they right. should get hyped up. You know, we're all humans and want to show off. And so once we get out to those, you know... The, big arenas. I've got the got to go travel with Griffin and you guys and watch your shows and Kern County Raceway here as well. Uh, I actually called Matt Zerman to see <laughs> what's up. You know, he's, he's your close buddy. Yep. See if he's got a funny story. And he's like, he went kind of blank, but he right off the bat just spit out your first uh, event. You're a 15. Mm-hmm. And it was at Centennial Gardens. Yes. Oh, so, yes. And uh, uh, a guy crashed and grabbed his balls and uh, put, no. put the crowd out and then you're like if i ever crash i'm doing that yep. explain explain that so that's kind of like a thing you know back in the day the metal militia the freestyle were like the outcasts of racing so you yes the metal uh, helmets for sure uh-huh. stickers everywhere. so at uh Satil gardens they were having an arena cross race and they had a little freestyle intermission uh contest and I jumped over uh, 
I hit the ramp and I did a seat grab, I think Indian Air or something, and I overjumped it a little bit because the Centeno Gardens is so small, you don't have a lot of room. Right. And there was a tight turn that you had to make, and uh, I didn't make it, and I hit a hay bale, went over the bars, and crashed. So I just got up, went like this, and then you, you, you showed everything else. I don't know if I gave a thumbs up or <laughs> yeah. but hey, we'll, we'll leave that up to the audience. It's there. your story, it's yeah. your song, sing it how you want to. Yes. <laughs> Dude, so yeah, I grew up with uh, watching Griffin, you know, we were same age, we were, we were boys, and mm-hmm. got to hang out a lot, like all throughout high school. And I remember him just having the bicycle with rubber ball on a trampoline, yep. practicing backflips, practicing backflips. And it was when it was first coming on the scene, right? Yes. And I'm watching him, and then you guys were practicing. I saw you come along. You know, you were a little, a, a year younger. Yep. And you guys were practicing into a foam pit. And this is just me, not dirt bike rider, watching mm-hmm. from a distance. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, they're going to try this. And I remember Griffin doing his first one. Mm-hmm. And just and awe. I think he was one of the, I don't know, I'm just speaking from an experience, but like yeah. the first 20 to do it, I'm guessing. And yeah. you were right there behind him. And explain about the first backflip you've done and kind of that experience with Jeff, too. So, uh, Cole Dowell, we were over at his house. <laughs> yeah. Like, watching yeah. him. Yeah. And uh, I remember, because I was riding uh, uh, motorcycles, but not really doing freestyle tricks here and there, but nothing serious. And Griffin came out, came over later that night with a tape that he just filmed himself doing, uh, you know, doing tricks out in the hills. And I was like, oh, my God, that is Sweet, I want to do that. <laughs> right. But then uh, later on in life, we started getting serious with it, and uh, Griffin was the first one in Bakersfield to um, actually successfully, successfully land. land it. On he land, yeah. And landed <laughs> right away and was able to, you know. How cool is that? That is, is pretty sweet. And there was one other kid uh, named Travis Turney that did a backflip, but it wasn't in the competition-style ramp. It was like a little BMX ramp. Still flip, still gnarly, but... Yeah. Nothing. How many people in the world were doing that at that time? I mean, was under. I mean, um, that time probably under forty. There we go. I mean, that's under a 50. big yeah. monumental deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And even to this day, there's a lot of riders out there. But if you think about it, I don't think you could put a thousand people in that, you know, in that category. Still to this day. Still to this day. Yeah. That's how freaking cool, man. Yeah. You know. And explain your first backflip landing. So my first backflip, um, I it was so long ago. Yes, it's hard to, yes. <laughs> and it was a trauma- that's how good he is, folks. It, no, 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 it was a traumatizing experience for me because uh, you know the foam pit. It's a big box, and yeah. everyone thinks, "Oh, I can jump into that." It's you know, it's a foam box. <laughs> you jump into it like uh, you know at the gym. Or whatever the you see the cheerleaders and the gymnastics jump in it and they well, I was like McDonald's in the ball yeah pit. or the McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you've been in the McDonald's ball pit you I, kinda, a lot a yeah. lot <laughs> <laughs> I was there yesterday uh, but people think it's uh, you know soft and and forgiving but in a extent it is forgiving but it hurts like hell when you land it, lands on top when, of you. or if you land upside down a bike lands on top of you. Um, or if you miss or if you miss or jump <laughs> off or anything right it's, and the worst part for me was to learn a flip i would always i would flip and i'd jump off last second because it felt better right. than being on the bike but your mind your muscle memory you don't want to have that instinct to just jump off to after you, out, yeah. yeah to complete a flip so um i did three in the foam pit 
And then I did some uh, to dirt. And the first time I did it, I didn't even know I was going to do it. And Griffin and my wife, Stephanie, she was my fiance at the time, I think. No, no, she was, we were married. Uh, but anyway, um, the year. That's still a long time ago. That was all 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So that was 12 years. We'll be married 12 years in April. So. Man, you guys have been together forever. Since, since I was 17. 17. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. She's an amazing woman. Yep. I mean, that. We'll talk, we'll get into that. Yes, you know. but uh, so I had some bad experience in the foam pit and um, I finished out a summer tour not flipping and this is when there was more guys doing the flip and I said to my wife, I'm not, I'm done. I'm gonna hang up the boots. I'm not, <laughs> I don't wanna flip. I don't wanna go in the flip foam pit anymore. I'm not doing that. And Stephanie said, you're gonna get your ass up to the foam pit. You're gonna work. Your, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna work there for one. She's month. a biker's wife. Oh, huh? she she's just a motor, She just she doesn't like people that half-ass stuff or lazy or you know. You just kids, give up. Your kids are gonna be amazing. Oh yeah, because she doesn't let anyone give up. You're at least gonna try your hardest, and right. then if you don't succeed, then you can take a different route. So that's awesome. She told me you always had all your tricks came easy to you and everything you jumped, you know, you were talented and all that. The flip was the something that I had tough times conquering, right. you know, and, and mentally and physically. Oh, I bet, man. So she goes, don't practice anything else. Just practice the flip. And after a month, if you don't like it, don't want to do it, you get hurt, then we'll quit. She was your coach. Yeah, she was, she was a motivation for sure. Yeah. And, and it was just something that, uh, you know, so because it's so easy to quit, just hang oh, out. But I would have. That's life right there. Yeah, right? but I would have probably. So let me get finished the rest of the story. I go out there for two weeks and I successfully land the flip again and then never went back to the foam pit again and it literally changed my career in I was just ask that. How much did the back flip mean to you in your career? I mean, if you weren't flipping at that time, even doing demos. That's or, what I was thinking too. I wouldn't, I watched you guys all, all the time. Yeah. Whoever's doing the flip, everyone wants to see that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you weren't flipping, you were you still get shows here and there, you but get a most couple of, clap, like a yeah. golf clap. Yeah, well, even promoters <laughs> call it. Hey, do you flip? No. Okay. Right. Oh, oh yeah. That's, I mean, if you want to make a living, you gotta flip. if you want to make a living and keep the career, keep the dream alive, you yeah. had to, you <laughs> had the backflip. You were terrified, and I was terrified <laughs> of it. And I went to these shows because we go to these shows too. That uh, there's wind or a little bit of rain, or you know the conditions were bad. The track was a little elevated, or the ramps were twisted a little bit, which you, always. You know, some sketchy, it. sketchy ramps, I'm sure too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> many <laughs> sketchy ramps. Everyone drinks out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even the guy that builds the ramps. The guys that setting up the ramps, <laughs> we always have to double check and make sure that you know the distances are set up right. Yeah. And you know, I watched the movie Hot Rod. That's 100. percent That's exactly how we write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just went and read the movie. I hung up the Condors for a while, and uh -huh. I'll bring up the movie Mighty Ducks just oh, to yeah. piss them off. Yeah. Like, they get so pissed off when I bring up the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> the see, I don't get pissed off with Hot Rod because that's an awesome. amazing movie. It really oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so that's cool. So you successfully landed it in the yeah. competition. 
Yep. The first time trying it? Uh, well, Is it a competition? No, just demos. The demo. So yeah. like that's the same thing. To me. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone's yeah. watching. Everyone's yeah. watching. Yeah. Yeah. And the first flip show I did. How, how long was the jump? Do you remember? Seventy-five feet. Seventy-five feet backflip. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And you're about thirty-five feet in the air. So nope. That's no. a basic. That's a basic I'll stick setup. Off. Yeah, that's a basic <laughs> setup. So if you're gonna do anything, that's you know that's what you have to conquer. That's the Ramp distance and everything. Okay, I can see why you were so terrified. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. I'm scared this for you. And yes. you're going back in time. And most of the ramps were metal to metal and yes. you know, on asphalt and, Man, and all that. I've seen you backflip. No, I've seen you now. I mean, you're doing backflip, heel clickers. Mm -hmm. You're doing backflip, no handers. I mean, what's the hardest backflip trick you've done now? The hardest one that I would, that I would say I would do is called a, a backflip Cordova. And you put your legs like kind of in the handlebars and you stretch back, then you look back yeah. on the ground while your bike's upside down. So you're looking at the ground, holding on to the bars. I believe I've seen you do that. Yes. And I yeah, didn't know what it was called, but I knew it was freaking amazing. Yes. And that was, so do you still, were you, did you ever get past that fear? Yeah, like the flip, okay, that was another thing I was gonna say. After you conquer the, fl the flip, physically doing the trick is just as easy as jumping the ramp from point A to point B, once you figure that out. Yeah. The hard part is mentally throwing everything that you've learned riding a motorcycle out the door. Right. Because you go up the ramp and your front tire gets up a little bit, your instinct is to push the bike level down and level it out. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to go, okay, I'm going to throw all that. I learned that too, my yeah. first time, first time <laughs> riding. <laughs> like when you're doing a wheelie on a bicycle and you fall backwards, what oh, do you yeah. want to do? You want to throw the bike and yeah. know, keep your well, I was the guy out there with a Huffy right now. <laughs> you guys are on. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> True story. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we would do shows and it would be windy and we're like, hey, you just want to do flips tonight? Yeah. It's super windy. That's how easy it was. Like, let's wow. not do our regular tricks. Let's just do flips. Crowds get pumped on it. And then we're kind of do our easy tricks and then call it good. So that is so cool, man. Yeah. Yes, I, I've uh, I've seen you do so many tricks. Did you ever have a signature move like uh, that you made up? I thought it was the Captain Morgan because I've yes. seen you do that one. I thought it was so cool. You're the first person I saw do it, so I thought you created it. But I heard definitely uh, Zimmerman told me it was yes. not the one. You created the Paracel. Paracel. Yes. Yes. So you, <laughs> I can't say anything, but it's PG show, right? Yes. But did you uh, give the handlebar a blowjob or something? <laughs> no. no, it's kind of a joke thing. I know. So, because there's a trick called the stripper, and then there's a trick <laughs> yeah. called the, you know. So, just like in BMX, there's a, uh, or not BMX, uh, skateboarding, there's a Charlie Sheen. Right. You know, a trick, a trick yeah. called the Charlie Sheen. So, when I was trying to figure out the name of this trick, I just posted it on a forum, on a freestyle motocross forum. Like, hey, I came up with this trick. It's a combination of a stripper and a dead body, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, a stripper. And then one guy says, oh, call it a dead stripper. And then one said, uh, call it a, um, I forget what else. And then one guy just said, screw it, man, call it the Paris Hilton. And I go, yes. That sounds good. So I kept it <laughs> and, then, and then when the trick got popular, when the pros started doing it, like the major pros uh, in competition, the announcer would be like, "I don't know, I don't know about this name. I don't like this name. We got to change the name up." And I'm like, "Sorry, she was very popular at the time." Sorry, dude. She, it was 2003. She was on, you know, yeah, she just made a tape. Yeah, and it was a combination of. Uh, was it a VHS tape? VHS tape, yes. So uh, 
yeah, so it was a, called the Paris Hilton, and uh, yeah, they do it. They do it in backflips now and all that too. So it's pretty wild to see that. Some people are still doing that that move. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yep. Hopefully, they give you some good tribute back to that. Yep. So, man, uh, I remember another event that I had to just bring up. You broke both of your wrists mm-hmm. coming down when you landed. Yes. And I never felt so bad for a human being because I was thinking, how's this guy going to wipe his ass? <laughs> Ask my mom and uh, my wife. And, uh, yeah, they're the ones that had to take care of me. That, that's I think crazy. I've seen you a lot. We've, we've hung out quite a bit, and you've had a cast on half and half the time I've uh-huh. been with you. <laughs> but, yes. yeah, the, so I was thinking, explain how, you, how that happened. So there's 75-foot ramp, like I was explaining earlier, but there we at our practice spot, we had two back-to-back. Like it's called a double-double. So the first double, 75 feet, and then you land, and then you hit the second 75-foot double. Well, I did a trick in, on the first one, and I clicked neutral when I came down. So with the momentum you carry landing, you're not carrying as much speed, like throttle-wise, up the ramp, so you kind of coast a little bit. So all you need is a little blip of the throttle up the ramp to clear the next gap. Well, when I went to go hit the throttle, neutral. And so I went like that, and it kind of nosed down at the bottom of the landing, and my arms just go like that. And I didn't even know it happened until I tried to get up, rolled over, I was like, what the hell happened? I rolled up, tried to get up, and go, oh, no. Yeah, and then they were both. Crooked. Oh man, well, yeah. a long time to heal that. Oh my gosh! And every time you break your bone, you're back on the bike again. That's so crazy. Yep. But I was like, hey, you know, Stephanie was with you that whole time. I was like, after your art, your hands or wrist heal, you're gonna marry that girl. Yep. And what? And you did. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She was brave enough to take care of me uh, before we were married, giving me baths and all that, because. And feeding me, I couldn't like a fork. I had to. You, you know, learn to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with your feet. Oh yeah. You <laughs> no, I just sat on the couch and watched South Park. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Like I said, she's a great woman. Yes. Yep. Man, so now you guys are married. Yep. And how long has it been? Twelve years. Twelve years in April. I thought it was longer, but you guys have been together a lot longer. Yes. Yeah, so seventeen. So I'm thirty-five. Half my life. Yes. I've been with her. Well, so. she's amazing. I've, She's always been such a sweetheart and a great woman and obviously a great mother and yep. a good coach for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So she, without her, I'd probably, I don't even know where I'd be right now, to be honest. Well, you wouldn't be doing backflips. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope, I probably would not. <laughs> well, uh, you also have two boys, Jeremiah and Elijah, right? Yep. That you, these guys are not going to be wussies. You no. got I watched your Instagram and you guys are... Riding dirt bikes uh-huh. already, like from the like, age of two, yep. and then playing rugby as well. Yes, so How we just got cool that? we just got Jeremiah into rugby through our friend Matt. Um, he tried other sports. We tried football and we tried baseball, but him watching me with my dirt bikes and all that, he kind of thinks, "Oh, I'm not gonna be like I'm gonna be like Dad." He never played sports. I never played sports growing up. Right. My my parents just did not give us the opportunity that way, or I wouldn't say give us the opportunity, but just never push us into. Well, that's any a sport. Sports. It's competitive. I think yeah, yeah riding is a sport. Yeah, so he kind of has that mental block of, hey, I'm not riding dirt. I'm not playing sports. I'm going to ride dirt bikes like my dad. And I'm like, well, let's try something else too. You know, just <laughs> yeah. in case the dirt bikes don't pan out. Right. 
And so you don't want to see a lot of hospital bills. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be a hobby. So hopefully it's just a nice, clean, fun hobby, and we stay off, stay out of the hospital. It's funny how dads are like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want my boys to play golf, but they want to play baseball. Yeah. And, but, yeah. You know, that's how it goes. Well, that's what everyone says. Is like, oh, get them, get them some golf clubs instead of a dirt bike. <laughs> yeah. Right? Still travel the world. Still make good money. Still do. It, yeah. It's 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 amazing. Plus, mm-hmm. you can hang out with four of your buddies and hang out all day. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> So, dude, I love your brothers, too, Kyle and Curtis. Yep. <clears throat> they rode with you as well. And uh, I remember Kyle was recording you for a while, too, yeah. making videos. I thought they were so cool. Um, and then your mom, Tara, freaking, mm-hmm. you guys still stay pretty tight? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man, that's awesome. So uh, I wanted to see, like, we're talking about mindset and coming over that. Like, what kind of uh, advice could you give to the up-and-cover rider that's, like, get, trying to get past that hump? How can you help him get it past it f- uh, faster? You know, I was thinking about that, how it relates into your business and the real life. But. Well, yeah, no, it really does. Um, me growing up riding, uh, I was always pretty naturally talented on certain things. I could, you know, ride a dirt bike pretty naturally and do jumps and all that. But, like, with the, um, with the backflip, for me, that was the mental game. And there's a lot of people that get on dirt bikes that have a mental game of even doing the clutch and the throttle and just going over, you know, a little bump, they see that and go, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill myself or whatever. But my biggest thing is uh, um, you just got to kind of block it out, you know. Um, and just do. Just do it. Quit thinking, yeah. overthinking yeah. it, just do overthinking. it. Overthinking. You, you got to block it out, whatever could or could go wrong with anything, right? Right. Going into a job interview, you sit in your car and you think about it, think about it, think about it. You're gonna go in and freak out, probably. Right. Things aren't gonna ever go your way the way you plan it. Right. And yeah. a good example of that was uh, I was practicing in the foam pit, and my friend Lance, that was up there helping me, uh, I did three flips in the foam pit, perfect, and we start riding, and uh, he goes, "All right, go to dirt today, right now." Do one in the dirt right now. Ugh. And I go, what? He's like, yeah, you, you just did three perfect in the foam pit right now. Yeah, exactly. Go, do one on the dirt right here. I go, no, dude, I got to go home and, like, you know, prepare myself. And he's like, what are you going to do? You're going to not sleep tonight. Right, yeah. You're going to think about it all night. You're not going to sleep. You're going to wake up feeling like shit. You're going to drive all the way out here. And your wife's going to be mad at you. <laughs> yeah. <my wife. laughs> and you're going to be stressed out the whole time driving up here because now right. you're like, oh, I'm going to flip the dirt today. You came up here right now today thinking you're just going in the foam pit, the the woogie blanket. Now you got that down. Right. And I go, gosh, that's he's right, you know. Yeah. And it still freaked me out. Right. I'm not saying I'm not, I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah okay. that's, that's the way they ice the kicker. You know, yes. that's why time will just, will just wreck you. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, it's the same with golf. Everyone plays golf for fun, it's great. But when you have all the pressure on you, you, and the more you, the more time you have, the worse it is. Yes. You forget how to grip the golf club. It's so nerve wracking. So it's best just to get up there and the, the least amount of thoughts possible, the better. Yep. Just get up there and focus as close as you can, hone in, and just try to fire away with with those loose grip. And that's exactly how it was uh, with that. And then when he told me to go to dirt, I was obviously freaked out. Like I said, but I was like, okay, I'm just gonna ride around. 
you know, I'll just ride around. He's like, if you need to go in the foam pit one more time, do it in the <laughs> foam pit. Yeah, there's no throw right there. He's like, if you need to go in the foam pit one more time, because we had the foam pit that went here, yeah. and then we had the ramp right here. So I can jump the ramp, jump the ramp, then turn around and hit the foam pit. So um, I go around. I was like, I'm going to go in the foam pit. You know, that's the decision I made. Right. And then I was going around. I was jumping the ramp, jumping the ramp, and I came around the corner. I said, screw it. I'm going. See what happens. I just went and did exactly what I did on the foam pit. I said, just do, you know, control put that your, in my mind. Control your emotions. Con control it. And don't even think that there's a dirt landing. Just think you're going in the foam pit. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. But just pretend you're going in the foam pit. Perfect. And I did it. And I came up a little bit short on the land. I didn't give enough throttle to clear it. I kind of bounced and swapped. But I rode away and I was just like, holy shit. I did it, you know, yeah, like I was not expecting this, right? I bet you looked at Stephanie yeah. too. I did. Well, see, was, see, Stephanie wasn't there, Stephanie was there. Uh, he filmed it, but he's like, I'm not giving you the film until you come back up and do it again. Oh, right yeah. on, there So it's just oh, another thing, like, not like, pass it, yeah. yeah, like, oh, don't go home, post it, like, oh, you went flip. No, you did one flip. Yeah. You don't know how to flip yet until right. you're doing it every day. Yeah. Consistently. So that happened and I went home. I was so stoked though. Yeah, like, coming up, just wanting to do the foam pit, but it was that whole thing of him just telling me, you know, do it today. Don't you're gonna stress out. You're gonna worry about it the whole time. Yep. You know, and that's where, like I said, it's kind of you you block it out in that sense. So I love it. At that time, it was just you had to you had to do it. And man, were you ever like said something and then you didn't get a really a reaction? And then later down the road, everyone's saying it. And you're like, that's what I was, I've been saying that. So mm -hmm. that's how this is, podcast has came about. You know, trying to find my purpose in life, my why, and yeah. trying to find out what drives me. And, um, you know, I came up how to become the best version of myself and to, to give back. You know, I'm really good at anything that's volu volunteer work. Yeah. Anything yeah. that doesn't pay anything, I'm awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, God know, is giving you that talent. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm really good at making people laugh. Doesn't make people, uh, doesn't make me money yet, you yep. know. And uh, just giving back, being a coach, and uh, uh, work release. I'm really good at that, too. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, I work on my five pillars. I've become the best version of myself. And I've noticed a lot through this is, uh, you know, mental strength, mental yes. toughness, uh, physical fitness, yep. you're athletically gifted, emotional stability, controlling your emotions when you're doing a backflip. Yep. Another one's my spiritual with God. That's just something that, you know, is between me and God. Yep. I'm sure you have that, too. And then financial education. You know, I'm sure you've you've dealt with financial education. We haven't talked about that, but yeah. you will when you're talking about mental toughness and and just taking that leap, doing that backflip. You started a business, yes. so let's talk about your business. Yes. So towards the end of my career, of I wouldn't say end of career, but I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna ride dirt bikes forever, especially freestyle. And if something really does happen to me where I get hurt, I'm gonna need some type of, you know, what I'm gonna do after. Right. And my whole um, thought was at the beginning was I was going to go work for the family business. Right. Because my dad Delaney had yeah, Delaney Elf. I, I ran into you at Taft out there. We're yep. both delivering uh, parts. Uh, yes. Parts to PPE. At, yeah. at GPS, right? Yeah, I was like, hey, aren't you supposed to be riding dirt bikes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be playing golf? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, I, got a, I got a dirt bike tournament tomorrow. I'm just going to fill it in time. Yeah, I know. Right? Uh, so, yeah. So, that was my plan the whole time. And uh, with Delaney Elf, my dad, uh, he always let me go ride and do my shows 
but I always had to come back to work and still, you know, do as much as I can there to help out. And the last year of, uh, I think it was 2013, I am one of the best uh, years of riding my, my dirt bike. And I told my dad, I was like, hey, just want to let you know I'm going to probably step away a little bit from the family business and try to just focus on my riding and right. see about completely making this my job. Obviously, your dad was super supportive. Oh, I mean, 100%. Helped you to get the dirt bike at first, yep. build the jumps, yep. let you do your thing, go yep. off riding for hours and hours yes. and hours with you boys. So yes. I know he was a big influence on you. Yeah, he would let me, you know, it was a uh, middle of the work day and Lance, the guy I practiced up down in Piru, that's where our phone pit was and everything. He would call me on Wednesday and be like, hey, uh, Travis Pastrana and Matt Rabot are going to be out here. You, you want to come out and practice? So I'd ask my dad, hey, it's 10 o'clock in the yeah. middle of the day. We <laughs> got shit to do. Uh, yeah. Can I leave work to go do this? <laughs> and he, he would, you know, yeah, but if you get home before 5, I don't care if it's 4 o'clock, come back in, clock in for a little bit, yeah, do whatever you need to do, and then, you know, do it all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was a huge supporter. Yes. And uh, so, yeah. And then after that. Um, with, so, so you, yeah, you went to, I know I kind of jumped, jumped early, but you yes. went to Nitro Circus as well. Uh-huh. And um, your dad had let, you, you tell the story. You, yeah. yeah you, um, I, I watched the video, man. And mm-hmm. I, you know, this isn't your first rodeo here. Right. So I've got to watch it, do some research. And I just, I actually asked you. I was like, hey, can I bring up your story about your dad? Yeah. And you said, of course, I would love to. So uh, I'll let you give the mic, man, and I um, just appreciate you talking about it. Yep. I love it. So in 2013, like I was explaining, that was the uh, best year of my riding career with just doing uh, basic tours around the United States. And then uh, January of 2014, uh, Travis Fashana gets hurt on his own tour, and I was actually in another show in Washington. I get a phone call. Hey, Travis got hurt um, for Nitro Circus. It was a um, an agent that works for him, and they just try to find riders. And they called me up and two other riders and said, uh, "Send in your trick list and your this and that." Your name got brought up. Backflip. Backflip. Back <laughs> yeah. Paris Hilton. Yeah. Uh, Captain Morgan. Come on. They got the Morgan. He's in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> put him put him ahead of the line. Yeah. yeah. So I call my dad and I'm like, "Hey." Uh, Nitro Circus, just, or a guy from Nitro Circus just called me to uh, maybe be on the tour to finish off where Travis got hurt, which was surprising as hell for me. Uh, but it was between me and two other guys. And they called me back said, hey, you need to be in Minneapolis uh, in two days. I was in Washington. I had a whole ass home in a van, drove 16 hours straight. Oh, yeah, yes. Load up everything. So worth it though, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, we were, uh, I think we went to Fresno, or Minneapolis, Salt Lake, Fresno. We just finished up Fresno. We were headed up to San Jose, and uh, my brother Kyle called me and uh, told me that my dad had committed suicide. He had, uh, um, in the middle of the day, uh, at work, um, and it just, you know, made my whole life change like everything change with uh one i'm not gonna see my dad anymore i didn't get to talk like i didn't talk to him for two days i think 
last show was two days before, and I just texted him, hey, show went good, head up to San Jose. And uh, you guys are really tight. Yes. Like, he was the best, he was my best man at my wedding. Yes. Um, everyone that knows my dad and knows me before any of this happened. You look just like your dad. You act like you and your dad, I, they're walking down the street, you guys were twins, you know. Your dad was, was awesome, man. He always let us do our thing, and mm-hmm. just, if we guys need anything, I'm right here. Yep. So, and I never really had to deal with uh, suicide or depression or anything like that, and after that happened, I started looking at certain conversations we had and certain uh, thoughts of him and seeing a little bit now. And obviously after all this happened, some people don't like to talk about suicide because it's so such a taboo thing. And um, But what I've learned about it is the more I talk about it and get the word out and just express to people that you just need to talk. Conversation, communication, and I feel like communication in your relationships, in your business, with your customers, with your kids, with your jack-in-a-box order. The communication needs to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the number one thing within everything in life. I feel like communication, without communication, proper communication, right. shit goes south. Agree, man. That and assuming. Assuming it never works. And assuming. Well. Assuming as everyone's well. good. Yep. Assuming that everything's going to go yeah. the way to play. Oh, dad's bummed out, but he, you know, he's just having a bad day. Oh, you know, or whatever. But that's one thing that I've learned with, with suicide and um, depression is you need to talk. Talk it out with whoever. And there's always going to be someone that wants to listen, no matter what you think. Right. Come talk to me. You know, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, some people say, I have no one to reach out to. I have no, no one really cares to talk. You know, that person doesn't want to hear it or whatever. I guarantee there's someone out there that would hate to have something like that happen to you or someone you know. I agree, man. And, uh, and the, the best way I like to think about it is everyone's a little fucked up. Yeah. Everyone's had something dramatic happen to them. Yep. There's no one better or worse than you you it, you shouldn't be afraid to talk to anybody in any situation no and i've learned that through just you know sales being oh my guy's rich you're mm-hmm. or they, the guy lives the perfect life or even on facebook you know get someone has so many friends and you think that their life's going great you, you see that facebook life yeah but they're just as fucked up as everybody else so they've been through a lot of shit 100 and uh you should never be afraid to talk or open up and there's always someone to listen you're correct yeah and it took me a while to, because I never dealt with depression before. And after my dad's suicide, I hit a wall of depression for probably close to two years. The first six months to a year was like the hardest for me. And talking to my wife worked, but it was almost like I needed someone that wasn't related to me as well to kind of reach out where because they're dealing with certain problems. Like I try to talk to my mom or my brother, but it's like they lost someone yeah, too. They're and they're in the same people. situation. We talk to each other and almost kind of sometimes brings you down. You know, you need to talk to an outside source that almost is like seen from the outside in. Right. And Or maybe someone with a similar situation. Or similar situation, right. but not a family member. Right. 
another, and I don't know how many times, I finally posted up a video on Instagram, I think uh, two years ago. Uh, yeah, it was 2020. And the response I got after it, just opening up and yeah. just talking about it and saying, there's so many messages of people saying, thank you for being so vulnerable and right. doing that. And I felt this way before. You know, these are random people. I felt this way. I yeah. can't believe like uh, just that one hearing a one minute video on Instagram of me saying, hey, reach out, talk to someone. It right. doesn't matter, you know, and they reaching out to me. I was like, DM me or, you know, message me here, call me, email me. I'll talk to you. Yeah. And that one little bit helped out so much for so, so many people. I'm not saying it saved the world, but if I had no, seven no. people hit me up and say that. I feel like that's the only way it's going to get better for me and hopefully for other people. Because the sad part is, after my dad's suicide, I've known at least five or six people that were not, that were, you know, uh, related to, not related to me, but close to me. Right. Or was a friend of a friend that did it. And I'm just like, right. the, and, and the times with Corona and the lockdowns and all that, there's so much more of that out there. And... It just needs to be talked about. You're right. You know, and I've, I've had to deal with it in my family too. Uh, you know, and my, uh, my wife's dad passing away too and watching it in my home. Yeah. And it's something that I'm very careful with my words, what I say, but just be there for support. You know, uh, like you said, you can always talk to somebody. You know, mm -hmm. some guys are really tough and have a shield. And yep. It's good to be vulnerable and open up and everyone can learn from it and get better yep. at uh, doing that. You know, and, and approach it with uh, with empathy. Yep, for sure. And that's just like, you know, saying uh, with everything, starting a business and starting that, and just I don't know. It's just be out and talking about it. The more you put talk out in the world, I feel like it it becomes uh, real. Yeah, exactly. And you you were. Um, name a bunch of statistics looks like you started really digging in deep about mm -hmm. you know you say 75 percent of people don't leave a note yeah. behind after yeah. committing suicide yep i think that's a really big statistic yeah and it's uh it's really unfortunate yeah you and know? a lot of people you know there's some people that um do it for attention obviously they say that but a lot of the times is that's how they were reached out for help right and it turned all the way to that to finally get their name heard or their voice heard or whatever to you know um that's real that's the most unfortunate version of it right there yes. to do that i'm sure I, I would imagine you guys going through a lot of stress and yep. depression you can uh i the last guest on here was saying it's like carbon monoxide you can't see it or feel it but yep. it'll affect you yep. it'll get you if you let it so if you're not if you don't protect yourself exactly so that's why i work on myself too i work on my five pillars i'm hoping that somebody out there can can listen to my five pillars and maybe what do you do to work on your personal development in your life? Like, what do you focus on? Do you have a morning routine? What do you, what, what can you say towards that? So what I try to do is uh, uh, write things down. You know, like when I'm in the, in the morning or what I want to accomplish, I write them down. And sponsored by Remarkable too. Yes. I know that. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm still I'm still old school. I think my wife got me something like that, and I was like, ah, I'll just right. do the regular notepad. Yeah. But so you write your goals down. I love that. And that I don't so make cool. them big. Right. You know, some people like to, and and it's good to do that too. 
The one thing I do write down or I talk about a lot is I want a Lamborghini one day. That's the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, So that's all the kind of the top, but like um, you know, with starting a business after my dad passed away and not being able to physically be down at uh, Delaney and Alpha and, and work there every day where you know he was at every day. Now I could go down there and, and hang out and work, do some of the stuff down there, and not have uh, too much anxiety or depression about what had happened there. But um, right. with like starting the equipment rental company, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I know. I remember talking to you a lot about the beginning process of that, and I know it took a big you know, leap of faith yeah. to do that. And that's something I want to do as well one day is, yeah. you know, open up a business. And, you know, that's what this show is about is finding finding your way, your purpose in life, and uh, just becoming the best version of yourself. Yep. So explain to your business. How, how's it going now and how did it start? And... So uh, with my writing, it was coming towards the end, and my wife said, hey, we let's figure out something to do. And uh, she goes, what about equipment rental? Her brother-in-law over the coast did a little bit of that and his business was growing and like, okay, let's try that. So we get a light tower and- You already uh, dealt with light towers out of the, the, the shows, right? Yes, yeah. About them and yeah, and uh, so we get a light tower and I used it for practice more than- uh, <laughs> You lost money on your first one. Yes, yeah. so because- uh, Wacker nuisance. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, it was actually a Magnum 3050 LT no. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But uh, so I brought it out to the house because I didn't have any customers or anything. I was posting up Craig, Craig, Craigslist ads and Instagram and Facebook wasn't really a, you know, a place to promote your business at the time. Right. So uh, and then a neighbor of mine saw me uh, riding one night with it and she goes, "Hey, I'm having a wedding, uh, and we need light for the because we have a parking in our uh, pastures." And we need lights. Can we uh, rent that from you? I was like, okay, cool. So that was kind of like the first yeah, thing. Yeah, first one. And you give her a discount? I always, oh, for sure. Dude, I always do too. I screw myself. I know. Just, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's right down the road. I can't, I can't really charge you a delivery fee going <laughs> down the road. But uh, yes. so, yeah, we did that. And then I'm thinking. Like, Can you send her an invoice? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't even know what an invoice. I didn't even know how to make it. Uh, yeah. You owe me twenty dollars. Twenty five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anything about equipment rental at all. You right. Know? And uh luckily uh I got hooked up with a couple guys in town that were in the business and they kind of showed me the ropes. But uh I'm I was trying to figure out how to be different than everyone else. You know, every, you can go get a backhoe. You were oh. different, different back riding. You, were, I, I had to throw this out. You were the most flexible person yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this guy's bending backwards. His head's touching his feet. Yeah. You're parasailing up there. <laughs> and, and the only reason, in the air, I could do that. But if I tried to do anything on the ground flexible, <laughs> I'd be, I couldn't do it. I yeah. don't know what it was, zero gravity up there or what. But <laughs> that was the only place I was flexible. Yeah. But, uh, well, your business is going great now. Yes. I mean, I dri drive by your yard and you have a ton of equipment. Yes. And you have, name your equipment. What do you have out for, for rent? So I have light towers, water trailers, uh, porticles are my, my number one because that's kind of what, uh, I try to base my business off than everyone else. Cause you can get backhoes and 
like I said, skid steers and all that stuff from someone else. So I rented some stuff for me before. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And uh, the safety cool station is what I came up with. I was on the auction uh, one day, and I had no experience in the oil fields or the ag or <laughs> equipment at all. And I was on the auction, and I saw a port of cool just on a flatbed trailer. I was like, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> you know, people buy this shit? Yes. You know, I was never looked at auctions before. And I was looking, I was like, what if you put a canopy over it and a bench and all that? And uh, it's like, I'm going to build one and see what it, what happens. So I built one with a portacool in it. It had a water tank, a generator, two benches, and then a canopy and set up. Trailer for yep. Shade. Yep. yep. Perfect. So I didn't know uh, companies like the American Safety that you work for had the fans. Because like I said, I've never seen anything. I've never been in the right. oil fields at all. So I thought I came up with this. Grand design. No one knew what it was gonna. Oh yeah. (laughs) So you find out it's really popular. Really popular, but not a bunch. No, No, it's not popular. It's it's a niche 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 areas. Yes, they're popular. But what other places? Yeah. What what other customers or what other companies did was they had fans or coolers that were on a trailer, but you still had to set up the easy up, pull the chairs out, and I was like, that's kind of a pain in the ass, and you know, guys in the oil fields. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, yeah. They, they throw that shit out there and leave it. Yeah. And then so that's why I came up They're with They're there to get paid. Yes. Yeah, they uh they work to live, not yes. live to work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We love them, uh but uh we we're trying to make it a simple design, something that you could just drag out, unhook and I took it to a AADE barbecue and uh Kenai Drilling was my first customer and they said we need three of these. I yes. Like, I only have one. Uh, <laughs> I only built one. Like, the girl down the street has it. Yeah, I, like, I didn't tell them that. They said, we need a Monday. It was Friday. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. What did I get myself into? But then Enzyme saw them, and then a couple other customers saw them, and then every year I built. Now I have 16 of those trailers, and uh, then those trailers help buy... Um, Skid steers, light, more light towers, um, mini excavators, backhoes, all that good stuff. So no, we love it, man. It's a, it's a great business. Rental companies, if you can get past it's usually five years, a five yep. year mark, then you're you're ahead of the curve. And yes, your business has a higher chance of surviving. How, how long have you been open for? Uh, since 2015. So this is our what seventh year. Seventh year. So yeah. you passed the big hump. Yep. And uh, Stephanie, I'm sure helps, but she still works as well. Yep. Yeah, well, she worked for Drill Tech. Drill Tech, yeah. Yeah, that's, I know. She's, she's very smart. She has her degrees mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, guys like us. And that's one thing that she's taught me a lot is the financial right. education. Yeah. You know, when I was writing. There we go. Yep. I knew it was going to come into play. Yes. These five pillars. <laughs> yes. I, I'm sticking with these things. They're going to hit. They're going to hit me. Yes. Yeah. So with the financial education, uh, I didn't really have that. Right out of high school, I financed a truck, big lifted truck. Uh, for way too much money, and uh, <laughs> we all did. Yes, we put a sound system in there that we couldn't afford. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, right. So same thing with that. Um, and Stephanie has grounded me in that way as well. As far as you know, when I was making money in riding, I was like, I want a van so I can drive a you know park all my dirt bikes in a van and take. She's like, I don't need that shit. I'm telling you. And she helps budget out my. With my writing, she helped me budget out what I could spend on, what, you know, equipment I should buy or anything like that. So at the end of the year, I was like, hey, you need to, we need to spend some money. Go buy yourself a dirt bike real quick. You know, go buy a dirt bike for 
right off purposes okay. or whatever. I'm like, oh shit, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. And that taught me and a lot with uh, financial education and even with the business because I worked at a family business, but I never sold the back end. Right. I was always the front parts guy. I saw the invoices coming in and out, but I never really understood right. like, hey, there's lots of bills to pay and you know, there's a lot of headache of being a business owner, I'm mm -hmm. sure. But you know, after watching your video, uh, you're saying like your dad lets you go out the first time, your first attempt. He says, "Listen, son, you know you're leaving at 10 a.m. every day. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, why don't you just go try to make some money? Right. And he started finding out how to make money doing yes. it. Uh, thanks to Stephanie teaching you how to do a backflip. Yep. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Well, this so, was before the flip. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, this okay, was just so, when I was. This was when the flip was still not so popular. Financial education. You start going on the road. It lets uh -huh. you do your thing. So yeah, uh, I went out and uh, finally got hooked up with some promoters, and I had a full season of shows, and I made uh, some pretty good money riding. What's and, good money? You can go ahead and say it now, right? Uh, well, right now I was I was making about. Twelve fifty a show doing. Uh, is that one day or two? That's one day. One so day. if it, so if you that's did two, a really good day. So if you did two shows, yeah, twenty five hundred bucks for well, the weekend. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I was making three hundred eighty dollars during and the you, week. You were making probably yeah. uh, less than ten bucks an hour yes. at the warehouse. It was yeah. seven <laughs> eighty, yeah, seven eighty five or oh, something like that. It was like a little bit above minimum wage. Oh, here I worked at the golf course and I made seven dollars and ten cents. Yeah. And Jim Foss gave me a raise for ten cents one time. I said, yeah. "Just keep it, bro." Yeah, just, thanks. Which I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to pay more taxes on it. Yeah. So at the end of the year, uh, I spent all the money that I made doing stupid shit, buying stupid shit, and uh, so my dad asked me, you know, how you're doing with the writing, and I told him. Uh, do you have a job opening? Because I don't have any more money and the shows weren't, uh, you know, they weren't coming like How long were you gone? Uh, seven months, I think. Oh, yeah, months. and doing shows every weekend? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of money, bro. So yeah. that's, because the show season from is from March to, I'd say, September, October. Summertime. Like yeah, summertime. Uh, cooling station time. Yes, cooling station time. Right. So <clears throat> at the winter season time, I didn't have any money to carry myself through the winter time, so I needed to go back to work. And so then my dad said, okay, well, that was your opportunity to grow and do what, you know, uh, what you wanted to do in life. And that was a very humbling experience, but I was very uh, um, happy that my dad really set you back. He sent me back, <laughs> no matter... But you also realized it was very tough to go back to making eight bucks an hour. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and that was a very, like you said, humbling experience and yeah. understanding. And it took me a while to understand and uh, really be grateful for what I, what I had a talent for and what I could do. And so after another year or two, I worked my ass off riding and working at the shop to maintain all aspects of making money <laughs> right. you know, doing both and uh then i got married and then i learned to flip and then after that those two things it my career took off so and that's so cool a lot of people say you know i put financial <coughs> last you know because yeah. it is last on the list you got to take care of yourself first mm -hmm. but financial education and and Knowing how money works, I think, is really crucial when you start being a provider of a family or yeah. having a business. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I after hearing testimonials like yourself and other people, 
I'm very comfortable adding it to my my, my pillar list and, and working on that uh, constantly. You know, I want to give back as much as I can. And, you know, speaking of giving back to your kids, you know, mm-hmm. the legacy you want to leave behind right now, you're teaching your kids the right the right way to do it. Yep. And uh, they're obviously not going to be wussies. Right, <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your kids, man. Let's hear a little bit about so, Jeremiah and Elijah. Jeremiah, he's nine, and he is a metalhead. He loves music. <laughs> I see that. Yes, yeah. he loves... Uh, <laughs> Corn's his favorite band because one's from Bakersfield, but yes. he likes you know Slipknot and all those say all those bands. Right. Um, he doesn't like sports. He doesn't like uh, like I mentioned before basketball or football. But he just got into rugby. My buddy Matt, he's the coach. Matt Zerman. Matt Zerman. <laughs> and I, I've talked to him because he's got his kid. What's the know, name of the team? Uh, I don't. No. Oh, the rugby team? Oh, rug- he's he's trying to give him a shout out. I was like, oh man. It's just Kern out. Youth Rugby. Okay. Is because the rugby team kind of right now is uh, it plays against each other because there's so many damn kids right now. Right, yeah. And it's a growing sport. And it's easier to get a scholarship. We're talking about that too. Yes. Rugby. From what Matt was telling me, he's like, hey, I think Jeremiah would easier. enjoy this because it's not a slow paced uh, sport. Right. It's you're constantly moving there's no downs you know there's no uh innings right yeah so it's just go 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 and attention spans are coach baseball i get it exactly yeah and jer if he's not getting told to do something to do if he doesn't have a job to do the whole time yeah forget about it that's what dirt bikes you have to stay focused the whole time you can't just go well, they're saying Travis Pastrana is like the best ever, right? Yes. He has ADHD bad. Yes. He just go. You know, they can't have a conversation with him. He's just a go. Yep. Yep. So, uh, do ask ask everyone here um, this question: What do you love about Bakersfield? And everyone says something different. That's why Bakersfield is so unique and so awesome, in my opinion. What do you, what's your uh, take on that? What's your honestly? What I like about it is uh, the people here. And how it's a big town, but have small town vibes. Right. So, and getting older and especially starting a business and, and trying to get customers. I find out Bakersfield gets smaller and smaller as I get older. You know, <laughs> right, like, yes. I talked to this guy. He's like, oh, I know your grandpa. I know this. I was in Ventura one time um, fixing a light tower or dropping off a light tower. And yeah. The guy goes, who's Alf? Alf. I was like, that's me. And he goes, is your grandpa Stan? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah? He's like, I worked with your grandpa, and then, you know, I was a mechanic at his shop. And oh, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah, there's yeah. six degrees to bacon, and there's one degree. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that. And, um, yeah. Man, that's that's all. I've heard Basque food. I've heard, you know, we had a country music on here. We had yep. golf coach. We went to two state championships. George Culver gives back. You know, what, what, uh, you know, you like to give back. Everyone yep. likes to give back. I say, if you end up, you know, passing away a long time from now, mm-hmm. what would, what kind of legacy would you want to leave behind? What would you want people to say about you? Um, to leave a legacy behind that I would be proud of is just that I was someone that, you know, you can go up and talk to and just be humble and, uh, you know, that I, that you were comfortable to come talk to me at any time. Basically. I love that. You know, and another, 
you know, point I wanted I wanted to say is, you know, every person has a dark spot of their life. Yeah. And it once you break through it, you can become the light in someone else's dark space. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're being right now. Yep. And I just appreciate you coming to the show and telling your story. And I love you, brother. Yep. And man, I am uh, looking forward to having having you on here. I'm so glad it happened. Yep, I can't wait till the next time and uh, next, what, couple years and see where we're at. Exactly. Then. See, see the growth uh, after that. Yep. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Oh, brother. Oh, we did it. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was good. Oh, uh, right on, man. I know. I was, a little, I was a little nervous, more nervous than I thought at the beginning. I was really? like, I, I feel so good. I, <laughs> I swear, I had a comfort zone with my hat for some reason. Yeah. I don't wear my hat. I guess I go, shit. Well, that's like I talk to people, and uh, there's some people that when they put their glasses on, it's like they're 